reach for the sky, boy. Rolex work. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Doing the Favor Does Sports. I'm your host, Eric Brown. You can follow me on Twitter at EricBrown740. But always follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok by searching at Doing the Favor. With me, as always, he's a sexual intellectual, double-waist, husky heartthrob, a little under the weather this evening. So we're going to have to bear with him a little bit. Our homie, my guy, Lily's uncle, Barry Frost. Barry, how you doing, homie? Uh, doing okay, but like a true warrior. With a little rasp on the throat, I'm out here. I'm out it's getting here worse. <laughs> oh, well, we, we have a, a special guest this evening. He's a it's a return run in right here. The Ohio player, uh, soon to be father of twins. Very excited for my guy. Very nervous for him. I know how I feel after having one, but him and his wife are strong enough to handle it. My man, one half of the Tales of the Estate podcast, Drew Vensel. Drew, how you doing, homie? I'm doing great. Uh, I will let you be nervous for me then. Whew. You be nervous. I'll, I'll just be excited. Yeah, I, I, I just because I just know what I went through. And it's gonna be, I just in my mind, I'm thinking times two times two. But you, on the other hand, won't know what it's like to only have one. So right. that's all, all you got to know is all you're going to know. Right. That's I'm good. Gonna, I'm going to keep that in my favor. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me back. Um, you know. Uh, you've had Deontay on Barry's under the weather. I definitely can't pick up his slack, but maybe if I can talk a little bit so he can talk less. Uh, so yeah, glad to be here. Good. People, have, have, people have been waiting on that for years now. <laughs> Me to talk less. <laughs> well, we are going to talk about the NFL conference championship games. This has been an unbelievable playoffs. We had the unbelievable division round weekend after kind of a lackluster wild card, in my opinion. But, I mean, the best weekend of football I can remember ever in that divisional round and leading up to the conference championships, we're going to start off with the four-seed Cincinnati Bengals traveling to uh, Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Uh, well, the Bengals won 27-24. Chiefs jumped out. It was was it 21-10 at halftime after a big stop on, on at the end of the first half. Uh, I thought the Bengals were dead in the water until that stop. Uh, Drew, we will start with you today. Uh, okay. Your thoughts on the first half of that game? So it was very interesting. You know, going into the game, you know, Cincinnati, like I talked about last time I was on, they've been riding that momentum. And they get hot, and the team that gets hot going to the playoffs, they, they kind of ride that. And so, uh, but going into Kansas City, that atmosphere, my thought was they've got to jump out on them. And so when Kansas City really got out to that big lead, I thought, you know, going towards the end of the first half, really there's two key things. I think the uh, the long touchdown to P. Ryan uh, really made a difference because that got them within uh, 11, so really it's a two-possession game. Um, and then really, I, I mean, I know what Kansas City's trying to do there, but they take the, that, the three, and that changes the game. Um, you know, so they go into halftime, but one thing, and, uh, you know, I got a couple buddies, Nick Haddix, obviously, but my best friend is also a Bengals fan. And he told me throughout the year, he goes, Zach Taylor is a, is great at halftime adjustments. And so they came out in that second half and they really adjusted. And so 
you know, you're never really going to shut Mahomes down, but they did a better job of getting him off his spot. So he was not as potent in the second half. And then, you know, Burrow started getting hot and um, it was just, it really was a tale of two halves. And then, you know, uh, Kansas City, they they kick that field goal at the end. It goes into overtime and you're thinking you're going to have a repeat of last week. Kansas City wins a toss. And, you know, I, I texted Nick and I said, Mahomes has a turnover in him. And, you know, he throws that pick and there we go. And Cincinnati is going to the Super Bowl. So uh, I really didn't know what to expect. I thought it was a great game, though. And, you know, uh, they keep riding that momentum. So it's going to be interesting to see now with a couple weeks off going into the Super Bowl, uh, what Cincinnati team is going to show up because that L.A. defense is not the Kansas City defense. Barry, first half. Yeah, and now you know me. I'm I'm all about the conspiracy theories, the the curses, uh, the wild, you know, little coincidences. And uh, your your boy Eli Apple, he drops that pick, which was the that was like the game seal or whatever. And uh, the announcer starts talking about Lewis Billups dropping the pick in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. Lewis Billups was number 24. Von Bell gets the pick. He's number 24. And I was like, "You like this is insane. Like one guy drops it, the, the other guy picks it off, and then Money Mac comes down, lays it. I, there are some kickers that are just, they've got, ice and that that for as young as that dude is he it's like he feels no pressure he's like we're we're going to the nfc championship or you know afc championship oh we're going super bowl like nothing like nothing gets to him and that is a huge weapon to have a kicker that feels no no pressure and he got it done and there's two of them in the AFC North right now, you know, and that's such a weapon to have. And I think that teams don't talk about being hesitant to draft a kicker. I think that might might be worth the investment if as long as it's not Austin Siebert, you get it right. You know what I mean? But for me, that t- P. Ryan touchdown was huge. Now, at the time I was tweeting, the Bengals had the ball. They have got to use all this clock and get a touchdown because they had not stopped Kansas City up to that point at all. Three, t- I think it was three possessions, three touchdowns up to that point. Uh, and as soon as I tweeted that, it was like a, what, 44-yard screen pass to P. Ryan touchdown. I mean, take the points, you can get them, right? Obviously. I think that left maybe a minute 50, something like that or whatever with, for Mahomes. He goes down the field easily, and they just got too cute. And to go away with no points right there is brutal. And that game, if they score a touchdown, I thought that game was over. Yeah. Because the Chiefs had the ball coming out of the second half, and again, Hadn't stopped them up to that point. So what made you think they would? Now we're on to the second half. And that's when Patrick Mahomes, you said you can't really shut him down. We hit you with a little bit of stat- statistical knowledge here. Uh, first half of the game, his QB or his, his uh, quarterback rating was 149.9. In the second half, it was 34. And in overtime, it was zero. Wow. His QBR in the first half was 98. That's a scale to 100. Uh, the second half and OT combined, 1.4, the largest gap by a player in the playoffs since they began tracking that stat in 2006. So whatever they did, the halftime adjustments, they started getting home more. Trey Henderson played his ass off 
Yeah, he did. He might not have got home home every time, but like Drew said, getting him off his spot, making him move, which a lot of times for Mahomes ain't enough. The fact that they were able, and I thought that he gets, there's times where he gets too cute and gets too improvisational, and he almost, at the end of the second half, and the regulation almost fucking ran them out of field goal range. Yeah. With those sacks, and that was just unbelievable. Uh, they, they're not really a balanced team. They put a lot of Mahomes. I get that he's all world, but if he doesn't produce, they don't win, right? There's not a lot of dump offs. Not a running game you can lean on. They have Tyreek down the field, and they got Kelsey intermediate. I do think they need a legit number three. Hardman's okay, but he's not really panned out as a second round pick. We can talk about that later. But the Bengals was a story here and joe burrow is an absolute fucking dog this guy he does not stop coming he was 23 38 250 and i know that's a little two touchdowns and a pick the pick was bad he almost threw a second one that was bad too he went mm-hmm. he should have thrown it out and why he didn't um a lot of those yards came in the second half joe mixon 21 carries 88 yards he's a true bell cow three down back and then i mean Jamar only has six catches for 54 and got the touchdown. But T. Higgins, I think, is the best number two receiver in the NFL. Six catches for 103 on 10 targets. So they keep coming at you. The way the defense stepped up, that comeback doesn't happen without stops. And, I mean, you figure they won the coin toss like Drew said. It was going to be a repeat of last week. It wasn't. They go down the field, kick a field goal. I am – Listen, I did not think I was going to be sitting here recording on February 3rd, 2022, talking about the Cincinnati Bengals being in the Super Bowl. I did I don't not think anybody did. Nobody saw Yeah, that. no. Barry, you're from Southern Ohio. You have a lot of friends that are Bengals fans. You grew up in Bengals country. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you had a lot of interactions with people. I'm not on Facebook. You are. Um, what's the vibe with the fan base? They are uh, very excited. I think a lot of disbelief as well, even being fans, like, this is actually happening, you know. Uh, for me, I think I texted you, and I was like, I never thought I'd be saying that. And, you know, especially, I think we said last week, for them to go down to Kansas City, beat them basically twice in a month and it, at both places, and by field goal each time crazy games and then i mean what a team what an effort like you said burrow's not gonna quit coming after you the dude is relentless and the fans like i said the fans have literally just gathered like they have just embraced him with everything and he's he's their their guy now and unfortunately for you and drew You've got about 10 years, maybe yeah. 14 or 15, <laughs> to, yeah. to see him. You know, I haven't seen this much excitement with Bengals fans since uh, the year Carson tore his ACL in the mm-hmm. wild card game against, against the Steelers. They were division champs that year. Really turned it around. But they've made the playoffs. They've won the division. But with Andy Dalton, there was not a lot of thought. They even had playoffs game, playoff games they didn't sell out. Excuse me. To me, they think they can win. They know they can win this year. It's way different. It's because of that guy you mentioned, Barry, uh, number nine, Joe Burrow. I mean, it's, if you have that guy, you have a chance to win every football game you play in, especially if you have balance and you get some defense. Drew, uh, your thoughts with the Bengals fans and their chances going in? 
I think when you have an elite quarterback, you always have a chance. And just think about this. They're going to the Super Bowl, and their offensive line is dog shit. Terrible. <laughs> Joe Burrow is taking them to the Super Bowl, and he could be killed at any moment. <laughs> Imagine what he's going to do when he has a line. Like, Cincinnati's roster, if you look at it, they have a ton of firepower on, on offense. They have a lot of good pieces on defense. But you don't look at their roster and say, oh, that's an elite, like a top three roster. It's just right. not. And they're going to the Super Bowl because they have the most important position in football, and they got it right. And he elevates, and this is, I'm stealing from Drew here, mm-hmm. he elevates everyone around him. Yep. And he gives the defense a belief that if they get the ball back at number nine, they have a chance to win the game. Yeah. So there's that much. Um, Barry, your, your, th- your thoughts on their chances going in? Uh, you know, a week and, and even a month ago, I would have said, eh, they're they're going to be a one-and-done team. But I think we've talked privately and stuff. No one expected Jamar Chase to be what he is. And that's a dude who had a lot of question marks, a lot of, you know, things he needed to answer. And he answered everything. They hit huge. They hit huge with that dude. And like I said, Burrow, if if he finds Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase is an elite guy. The Rams have a crazy good defense. But, I mean, him and Ramsey are going to be fun to watch. Somebody said, uh, I'm stealing a meme here. I don't know who you give credit to, but watching uh, Jamar Chase and Jalen Ramsey compete for a Super Bowl is going to be like a religious experience. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. It, somebody said it needed a seven-game series. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be awesome. And Jamar Chase is going. There's going to be a period of time where he's the clear-cut best receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's going to. I mean, he's top five now, and he's. I believe only scratched the surface. And I think Burrow's on the way too. I say this about Burrow. I. I mean, he's a. I'm a Browns fan. I said this to my Bengals friends. I've said it on this podcast before. No quarterback has reminded me more of Tom Brady than Joe Burrow. I'm talking skill set, the way they play the game, the athleticism, the moxie, the poise. Confidence. The confidence, mm-hmm. the competitiveness. It's it's all right there. It's all right there. We'll talk one. I mean, I, as a Ohio State fan, Drew, I'm sure you caught the shit too. But why did he play it? It was way – it was it's completely different. No one saw this coming. If you no. line up 2019 Dwayne Haskins stats with 2019 Joe Burrow stats, you'll see why that decision was made. No mm-hmm. one saw Joe Burrow having the greatest season in college football history and then coming in and doing what he's doing. He, the, the switch flipped for him. It happened. Wish it would have happened at Ohio State, but it didn't. Barry, I know you have something to say about that. I don't know why Ohio State fans try to claim the guy. He left. He's an LSU Tiger. He don't want nothing to do with Ohio State. Hates Ohio. <laughs> he doesn't hate Ohio. <laughs> he talks about all the time how he keeps in contact with all his teammates still. They all say great things about him. He has a lot of great connections to Ohio State. He, was, he had a broken hand, obviously, also, too, when that decision had to be made. He, a lot of people don't talk about that. He's got a lot of hangers on that are looking for Super Bowl tickets. Shut your phone off, Joe. Moving on. <laughs> I can't really, I I actually gave him that platform, didn't I? I, I appreciate I, that. I, I you called him that. out. 
I just want to hear him battle through it. So I, I responded. I responded. Uh, next up, 49ers traveling to Los Angeles, SoFi, to play the Rams where the Super Bowl is going to be held. Um, yeah, the Rams, this was a clunky football game. And this is exactly what the 49ers wanted to be. They had a 10-7 lead at halftime. Uh, Jimmy G, 16 of 30, 232. <laughs> Two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, your leading receiver, your leading rusher is your number one wide receiver, Debo, seven carries for 26 yards. Leading receiver, Debo, four catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he's your leading kick returner. Uh, yeah, it was insane they got this far. The defense is great. Jimmy G was such a hindrance as opposed to Matt Stafford, 31 of 45, 337, two touchdowns. You look at their receivers, Cooper Cup, 11 for 142 on 14 targets, and Odell. Nine catches for 113 on 11 targets. It was. Matt Stafford came through when he had to. The 49ers, the Rams won 2017. Uh, Drew, your thoughts? <clears throat> well, you know, both of these teams have great defenses, so uh, neither team could run the ball. I think there was 120 yards rushing between them. I think it was 50 yep. for, for San Francisco and 70 uh, for the Rams. Um you know, and obviously it comes down to the quarterback. Um, Jimmy G, and I know he's played hurt, but he held that team back. And, you know, he made some plays early in the game, but when it came down to it, when he had to make those plays, uh, he just couldn't. And Stafford did. I thought it was interesting, though. Uh, Debo Samuel is the best player on the 49ers team, and it's you know, on offense, you Bosa, whatever, uh, on offense, he didn't touch the ball on that last drive. Yes. And I know that you've got to throw the ball, but try a bubble screen, try something. You, you have to get the ball in your only playmaker's hands. You know, Elijah Mitchell wasn't doing it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, it, the game was a lot closer than I thought. I honestly thought that the Rams were, were going to kind of handle them. Um, but yeah, it's just like Jimmy G to me is Baker. And so watching him play is so frustrating. Like, yes. I know we have a little group chat and I always send the Spider-Man meme, like pointing at each other. And I'm like, it's Jimmy G and Baker because I see the same things. And I know that they both played through injuries and I understand the thumb for Jimmy G that obviously, uh, you know, makes an impact, but he made some terrible decisions. He, he made some throws that should have been picked that weren't. Uh, I don't really think that. Sam Fran even should have been in that position, but uh, the better team won at the end of the day. And I'll add, before I kick the barrier, I had to Drew. The thing with Jimmy G that obviously compares I see with him and Baker is anytime they get um, off script, out of structure, whatever you want to call it, anytime you want him to create something, it's scary. Bad things happen. It's almost like in high school, like when the coach would tell me exactly where to throw the ball. And then if that dude wasn't open, i just fucking take off. <laughs> but they're doing that at the NFL level. It's not the same. <laughs> Barry, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, a wild game. I I thought San Francisco was going to pull it out. I mean, 17-7, you think their defense can, can hang on? They can run the ball a little bit? And then Aaron Donald and that defense, Von Miller, they start getting home. They started pressuring Jimmy G, and he fucking faltered. He melted. And 
in that fourth quarter, I mean, because I think Kittle scored like a minute or so, minute and a half to go in the third quarter. So you're uh-huh. like, oh. And then Stafford hits Cooper Cup, and you're like, oh, here we go. And they they basically took over the fourth quarter. I mean, 13 nothing, I think, to to win it 2017. Um, it's it's going to be a a I guess a tell of you know can Hendrickson and the Bengals pass rush get to Stafford or is Aaron Donald and Von Miller going to get to Joe Burrow, which they're going to get to Joe Burrow. They're going to get to Joe Burrow, yeah. And how how does he respond? Which he's he's shown he can respond. And it just sets up a, a wild Super Bowl. And both games, both teams win by a field goal. And and here we are with two, I don't want to say the Rams were unlikely, but at one point the Rams were unlikely, with all even with all the talent, to make it to the Super Bowl. They couldn't get it clicking. And then, you know, you had Robert Woods go down, et cetera. And then Odell steps in, you know. He played the system. He was like, I'm done. I'm washed up. And then all of a sudden, he's 2016 Odell again. And it's a, it's a problem. And so we'll see what happens. I didn't plan on talking about this. Let's talk about this for a second, since we got Drew here. <laughs> um, listen, Odell was right, and things worked out great for him. They did. It worked out as well as they possibly could have. I think we can all agree on that. And he's played well. I'll say that it sets a shitty precedent on how to handle your business. There's no denying the fact that he quit on the Browns. He did. There wasn't a whole lot of effort, I feel like, to make it better this year. Now, you know, whether he's concerned about his legacy or winning or for his production, who knows? And for that very reason, it's very odd for me to see Browns players support him. But, you know, I think players separate the person from business a lot, you know, so they, they, don't, they don't get involved in other people's business. They stay out of people's pockets. They say that all the time. I wish we had seen this type of energy in Cleveland. I feel like we only saw this type of energy one time, and I was down in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I was on a bit of a stage. Uh, Drew, fellow Browns fan, your thoughts? Man, it's so hard because, like, I, I had those same feelings, like, when, when everything happened, um, you know, like, he quit on the team. But to see all of those guys still support him... Um, it almost makes me feel like he just knew no matter what he couldn't produce like he was able to here because he didn't have a quarterback capable of getting him the ball and allowing him to make a difference. But I'm with you. I don't think that the way it went down is good. It does set a really bad precedent that these guys can pretty much work their way out of any situation. Right. And he, listen, he's a great player. And what you, what you're seeing with the Rams, what I thought we was gonna get in Cleveland, even like I mean, credit to Stafford and the Rams and McVay for you know 
bringing him along slowly when they had to basically put him in there. They, the day he got there, the day Woods went down. So I do they, think, though, was, that Cooper Cup plays a huge part. Huge. He is not he is not going to get those opportunities if he went somewhere. You know, if he went to Green Bay, okay, Devontae's there. But Cooper Cup opens up so much for Odell. Yeah, so, so much. And the way that Odell, I mean, it's like Stafford tells him, hey, look, I'm looking to go down field, just kind of linger for seven yards, and nothing breaks down after three, two seconds, flash in front of me. It's that simple. You know, it looks like that's what they're doing, but I mean, also, Odell looks great coming off that ACL. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Uh, Barry, as a guy who is a fan of a team that drafted Odell Beckham and yep. lived that whole drama, kind of like what we did a little bit to a degree. I don't know if he wanted to quite leave New York, though. I don't know what that issue was. Uh, your thoughts on that whole situation? I think it was similar. His his exits were very similar as he saw the right – I, I don't think he gets enough credit for being smart, as smart as he is. He can see the fucking writing on the wall. And it's he knew Eli was leaving. We got this fucking young kid coming in. Let me fucking get out of here. And we got Baker. I ain't getting the ball. And I've we've said it many. If you do not get him the ball, he throw, there's a temper tantrum coming. There's, he's a completely different player if you do not get him going early. early. You said that, yeah. And Baker just could not get it done. And Odell said, okay. Uh, you know, and I'm doing the air quotes because I don't really know if it was his dad doing it. Maybe it was Odell. But all this shit starts coming out. And then it's like, we don't need this. Leave. And then magically, you end up with Stafford who can fucking throw the ball. And oh, he's happy. He gets he's on a winning team. You're in the Super Bowl, so your master plan worked out in your favor. But yeah, it's it sets a shitty precedent because, like you said, you're you're part of a team. You you got to play your role, and instead you're you're back in the background, fucking just bridge and fucking divide amongst the team. And, and I think that was the, that was the beginning of the end for the 2021 Browns. Yep. And then gone. And and it was very similar to how it went in New York and his exit. And he he did great things. He's he's phenomenal. He was phenomenal three of his five years or whatever in New York. But his exit was like like I said, he's he's very smart and he sees the writings on the wall and it's like let me get the fuck out of here. And he did. Drew, I don't know how you feel, but as a Browns fan, this feels absolutely brutal. Like it's not so much that like the Browns fan like takes a beat, and it's the fact that we get stabbed and that knife gets fucking turned every mm-hmm. fucking time. Yeah. And the fact that that situation played out the way it did, and then a team, your in-state rival rises to what they did, and now you got the in-state rival playing the disgruntled receiver that kind of helped tear, ruin your season. Mm-hmm. He'll play in the Super Bowl. And things work yeah. out perfectly for him. It is a that's a rough deal, dude. Yeah. That's a the, rough pill to swallow. The Cincinnati Bengals hit on their number one pick and we didn't. Speaking of tanking, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's move on. Oh, what a segue. Uh Brian Flores. 
came out. Um, he released some text messages. He filed a, a class action lawsuit against the NFL, a 58-page lawsuit in a Manhattan federal court um, alleging discrimination regarding the interview processes with the Denver Broncos and the New York football giants. Sorry, Barry. And um, basically, there's a lot of allegations here. He got to Miami. Uh, he was offered $100,000 per loss, which he said he turned down. By all accounts, they have the first back-to-back winning season since 2003, so he clearly was not on the same page with what they were trying to do there. Also, he was being urged to uh, tamper in a fellow quarterback situation, which I'm led to believe is Deshaun Watson, so much so that Stephen Ross, um, famous Michigan booster, big money guy, owner of the Dolphins, invited Flores down to the yacht, and then turned out that Deshaun Watson was coming. It was going to be a surprise meeting to which Flores left because he didn't want anything to do with tampering. In 2019, when he was interviewing for jobs, he interviewed with the uh, Denver Broncos, which he alleged that uh, John Elway and, and his associates showed up in the lawsuit disheveled, which later, somebody said, after a night of heavy drinking. So Elway and the boys went out and got fucking plastered and had to walk through an interview to uh, for the Rooney rule. Again, the New York football giants comes out that Belichick text Brian Flores, congratulations on the job. When the job was actually going to Brian Dayball and Belichick, using air quotes, text the wrong guy. And this was on a, I believe, Monday or Tuesday when Flores was supposed to interview on a Thursday. So there is a whole lot to unpack here. Um, sham interviews, tanking, Rooney rule. You got three white guys sitting here talking about it. It's going to be a wild discussion. So... Let's just go. Uh, I'm just going to say right off before I even get started, I'm a huge advocate of the Rooney rule, no matter what people say about it, because regardless of why the interview happens, it's getting these guys' foots in the door. And I think a lot of these guys wouldn't get interviewed at all if the Rooney rule wasn't in place. So I think the Rooney rule does do its job to a degree in that respect, but also the old whites don't like a lot of change and they're going to do things the way they want to do them anyway. And I think this is kind of coming to the surface. Barry, your team's the one involved. Uh, I'm not asking you to defend the New York giants here. I know this is kind of a slippery slope we're on here, but just tell me your thoughts on the whole thing. If you're on ice, brother, you might as well dance. That's what I always <laughs> tell. <laughs> so, I mean, Bill Belichick upset still. We took two of his Super Bowls from him. He's out here sending text messages on purpose, sabotaging us. You know, our poor old white guys, you know, they're sticking to that code, brother. But no, <laughs> in all seriousness, I I agree the, the rule does, it helps. But like I was saying off the air, you can interview the whole fucking world. If if you have no intentions of hiring someone, what's you know what I mean? What's the point? The and point it's, is it's getting a, them an interview. The point is getting their foot in the door. It, the point it is, is, but you have that, no. That, like you hear about the defensive coordinator Patrick Graham getting interviewed for a lot of his jobs. I didn't even know he was a head coaching candidate. That could be a future name because that's taking place. I think that's what the rule, at least at the very least, does. Yeah, but what I'm saying is is if you have no intentions of of hiring anyone like like uh eric Bieniemy. i think in two three he should be a head coach easily yeah easily and i mean there's 
Mike Tomlin. I mean, those we have one black coach in the right. NFL. Like the yeah. proof, like the, the what are the facts? The, the proof is right in front of your face. You know what I mean? And so it's like I said, you can interview everyone, and you're still you have no intentions of hiring that person. So it's a sham. It's it's basically like let's fucking just go through the motions here, and then hey, we got this guy hired anyway, but let's we'll call you in fucking three days after we interview Leslie Frazier and, and Brian Flores and, and just say, you know, to appease everyone, which is a shitty thing to do. And terribly shitty. Yeah. And so, yeah, it gets them an interview. It gets them of I guess a foot in the door, but the change is going to be in the hiring. It's, Who's going to go, fuck it, I'm going to put my trust in this. And like I said, Eric Bieniemy, that's, I would be going there. If I'm any team looking, I would, that, that would be my guy. Uh, Not Drew, fucking Harbaugh coming from Sorry. Michigan saying, fuck them kids. That's a, that's a whole wild situation <laughs> too we can talk about. But Drew, go ahead. Okay, I got him. There's, man, this is just so, such a wild story. There's so many layers to this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll just start like we just talked about. Uh, the fact is there's one minority coach in the NFL. What's the percentage of uh, minority players in the NFL? Doesn't make sense. OK, that's a, a very skewed, skewed scale there. Uh, How about but from, right. Exactly. General managers. You know, we happen to have one, but look across the NFL. It's not, not the same. But, uh, you know, from from uh, the Brian Flores perspective, he's putting so much at risk here. And I'm not just talking about his career. It's very obvious it's going to be hard for him uh, to ever be a head coach in the NFL again. But you look at that lawsuit and you look at the accusations. If that's wrong, he's going to get countersued. His whole, his character, like everything is, that's just a bad situation. If if all of these allegations come out to be not true, like them, you know, the whole uh, implying the Elway and his whole crew showed up drunk. Um, those are pretty serious allegations to just throw out there um, because how do you prove that? But somebody had to do it. But I also think there's some good and bad to this. There's some good because there is necessary change that needs to take place. And hopefully, uh, if nothing else, regardless of the outcome of this, this is a catalyst to start creating some of that change. What I see bad is, and I'm sure we're going to get into this next, is you are going to have uh, a lot of leeches try to latch onto the situation, namely people like Hugh Jackson. And they're saying, oh, yeah, uh, I, we had a terrible record. I, maybe I'm going to get in on this. Yeah, I was paid to tank. We were here. Um you can look at the situation. You can watch Hard Knocks. Uh, if you can watch and not say to yourself, Hugh Jackson's a terrible head football coach, uh, I don't know what to tell you. He wasn't perp- – like, our roster was was built to tank, um, but I don't believe for one second that he was paid to lose games. So, to me, this is a complete apple and oranges situation, right? Mm-hmm. So Brian Flores was brought in and he coached the best of his abilities and he got wins with a lackluster roster that was built to not be fully successful. Tank for Tua was a real thing. Also, speaking of Tua, Brian Flores never drafted him. If they draft Justin Herbert, but this whole like 
Brian Flores, them labeling him to be difficult to work with. Then you're trending into the whole like angry black man thing that the whites love to throw out there, right? And the difficult to work with is just another way of fucking saying that. So for them to slander his name on the way out is what pissed him off. Then the Belichick thing. Then you got to think of this man's experiences. This is a commutative thing, right? This is a thing that's been adding up. So he is willing to risk his career and what he loves best for the greater good, like Drew saying no and putting himself in a potentially vulnerable situation and never be able to do what he loves again. That is a very, very, very noble thing. I don't think this is him money hunting at all. I think this is him wanting true change, and he felt extremely wronged. Now, this moves into Hugh Jackson. Everything I said about Brian Flores, just say the opposite about Hugh Jackson. Okay? This man knew the situation he was going to. He was told four-year plan. Right? Tank, tank, and they did. They got number one pick. Number one pick. It's not their fault they didn't draft Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen in those picks. Maybe it is. That's on Hugh. I know we saw Cody Kessler. I know we saw Deshaun Kaiser. But year three, when we were supposed to be competitive, when we had the quarterback, we had the second round running back, he did not play those guys. In fact, he only played Baker when he. it was apparently obvious that he had to because Tyrod Taylor was just not getting the job done. He gave Nick Chubb – now, I don't know if this is him or Todd Haley – so this is we, that's revisionist history, but Nick Chubb had 16 carries in the first six games of the fucking season in 2019, or 2018. I'm sorry, his rookie year. And he still almost had a thousand yards. He had 996 yards to end the season, mm-hmm. and they had a trade. They were playing Carlos Hyde in front of him mm-hmm. and Duke Johnson. Insane, insanity to me. And then there's the whole you drew reference hard knocks um, issues with him and Todd Haley were well documented. The constant drama, the constant bringing, they gave him the best assistant coaches they could literally buy with Todd Haley and Greg Williams at the time. Hugh was inadequate. He did not produce when he had to. He was given all the pieces, they stripped it down, and they built it up, and they were not getting better. And he, he was like, it was, it, was, it was so like, he would begrudgingly play Baker. Nick Chubb had three carries for 105 yards in Oakland. And had three carries the next game. I mean, come on. That's that's not you. <laughs> and if Hugh Jackson was a good coach, he'd be coaching in the NFL. Yes. In some capacity. Freddie Kitchens is a tight ends coach. He'd be coaching in some capacity. Right. So but this whole he's been butthurt about the Browns since the moment he left because he was robbed of the opportunity to see it through. He half-assed said he was paid to lose games, and he was given a contract extension. That doesn't mean – listen, they can fire you the day after giving you a contract extension if you're not producing. I feel like the whole drama with Todd Haley and also he didn't get along with Baker Mayfield, who was in, – in the history of this league, if there's an issue between the franchise quarterback, which is how we viewed Baker at the time, and the head coach, the quarterback will always win. That's what happened to Hugh Jackson. And he's come out and said today since that he was not paid exclusively to lose games. I think that he knew there was an understanding that it was going to be a bumpy ride until they acquired the assets and spent those assets, and then they had a chance to win. It's completely apples and oranges. And to me, it's such bullshit that he came out was on ESPN at 6 o'clock on, well, Tuesday or whatever fucking day it was of this week. And it doesn't cheapen what Brian Flores did. But the fact that people are talking about Hugh Jackson instead of what Brian Flores is doing is fucking ridiculous. 
And and I always say, you know, I heard Tom Brady, he even said this was it's it's hard to beat a bunch of billionaires. So Brian Flores is definitely like you said, he's risking everything. And so we're gonna you know, like I said, we'll see how it plays out, but you know, they they just have they have so much money, so many just ways they can make him look shit and and they'll do that before they accept accountability for what the, what what actually happens you know what i mean in the nfl hiring process i think what they're going to end up doing is listen the nfl is not going to fucking die on this one steven ross will take the fucking hill they'll throw him on a grenade for anybody <laughs> so i would anticipate at the end of this new ownership in miami we're getting new ownership in denver I think if the NFL is smart, they will really push for minority ownership. And also, I think a lot of these issues don't change until we get a more diverse ownership group in the NFL. Because you look at the NBA, they are, and baseball to a degree, are light years ahead of where the NFL is in situations. Light years. It's not even fucking close. The NFL is still the good old boys club. Yep. Exactly. And there's a lot of guys whenever Gruden. And by the way, how bad are dudes at cell phones? Like all these dudes turn to my dad on fucking cell phones and the computer, by the way. Right. Like with the Gruden emails. Listen, there's a lot of dudes who fucking were like, oh, shit. When that whole situation played out. Trust. Mm -hmm. Those old boys behind closed doors. They're probably saying some wild shit. But. Moving on, I feel like we did Everything we could not to cancel ourselves there. Not that there was a threat of it, but you know. <laughs> I mean, I thought I thought I, we handled ourselves well. Next up, but I am a big advocate of the rule because I do think these guys need to get in front of ownership in some capacity. But that's even sad that we even have to fucking say that because I don't think they would if that rule didn't exist. Next up, NBA All Stars, 2022 were uh, selected today. NBA All-Star Game in, uh, in Cleveland. Drew, are you going to be uh, at the area of festivities, anything like that? Uh, you seen those ticket prices? I got two yes. kids on the way. Fucking insane. <laughs> like, when it was announced, like, it, it's always been a dream of mine just to be there for, like, the dunk contest. And I, so I was mm-hmm. like, man, I want to go to All-Star Saturday night. Yeah, I can't make that work. This is the first time since 1997 it's been in Cleveland. That's when they had the uh, 50, 50, 50th anniversary team. Mm-hmm. And now we have the 75th anniversary team. A lot of debate on that. Wonder what tickets were in '97 compared to now. Oh God, I remember the big deal '97 was Shaq being on the All 50 team. Yeah, that was like the big drama back then because he was only a few years in. Uh, but I'll go through starters. I think everybody knows the starters for the West. We got LeBron, Steph Curry, and LeBron was the leading vote getter. He was the captain. LeBron, Steph. Uh, Jokic, John Morant, and Andrew Wiggins, which I think is dope. Andrew Wiggins, I thought, deserved it. For the East, you have Durant, the captain, uh, Giannis, DeMar DeRozan, Joel Joel Embiid, and Trey Young. But the East reserves is what I was excited about, Drew, us being Cavs fans here. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jimmy Butler was the first reserve. Second was Darius Garland, his first all-star appearance, and the first time we've had an all-star since – LeBron and Kevin Love in 2018, I believe. Uh, Well-deserved. Then James Harden, Zach Levine, Middleton, Tatum, Fred Van Vliet. Uh, Drew, your thoughts on the East Reserves? 
Uh, very happy for Darius. Um, man, what a season he's having. I did not see this out of him coming out, but uh, I'm glad that we we've hit on him because that man, what a what a young core we have. And Sexton's out for the year. Uh, Jared Allen, I thought had almost a better case to be an All Star than Darius, just because uh, you know there's so many great great guards. Um, I think Van Vliet over Lamelo is questionable um but overall i mean i don't see anybody where i think oh they're undeserving i'm yeah, with you i think it's i think it's cool to see wiggins as a starter mm-hmm. uh in the west but yeah um very happy for darius i think it's cool that he's going to be there uh with it being in cleveland and i don't think that that's why he was selected though he absolutely deserves to be an all-star i thought so too i was a little surprised about baron bleat i thought that jared allen was kind of a lock in my mind because just because there's not that many bigs in the, in the league, let alone the East. And they, listen, they are Jimmy Butler forward, Darius Garland point guard, James Harden guard, Levine guard forward, Middleton forward, small forward, Tatum forward guard, Van Vliet guard. I mean, they're small mm-hmm. in, in the East. Uh, Barry, your thoughts? Fred, Fred Van Vliet's out here with 21 and a half points a game. Yeah. Four rebounds, seven assists, leads the league in minutes. Can, can this man at least get your acceptance. I mean, quit being homers. <laughs> quit bagging for Jared Allen. Wichita I mean, State, right? Fred Van Fleet's a stud. But would the fans pay to see Fred Van Fleet or LaMelo Ball? Exactly. It's yeah. the all-star game. You're, you're there to see the most exciting guys. Anthony Edwards, uh, LaMelo. I mean, the, fan, the fans want these young super talented guys coming up, exciting players. And I mean, like I said, Darius Garland definitely deserves it. I mean, it, it's going to be exciting, but we'll see. I mean, it's, I don't know. I just, there's no real huge names like they're used to, you know what I mean? Like it was just like, Oh shit, Jordan, Chad, you know, LeBron, they, everybody and now you're like eh <laughs> there's a couple guys <laughs> lamello's averaging 19.9 points 7.2 rebounds 7.7 assists yeah and they're a better team than toronto yeah so a little surprised by that one drew i think he has a better case but and again like barry said you want star power that's what you do but you know van bleat don't i mean Oh, he's really, great. really, really good. He's great, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, for the West, you got Devin Booker, third all-star team. Uh, Luca, third all-star team. Rudy Gobert, third all-star team. Draymond Green, four-time all-star. He said he's not going to play, though. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, three-time. Chris Paul, 12-time. 10-time All-NBA. Wow. Carl Anthony Towns, three-time. Uh, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with this at all. Well, it's kind of surprised that Luca's not starting, but that you know the rise of Jaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Chris Paul; he might be a little more deserving than Steph Curry. That might be a bit of a hot take. I don't tend it to be, but I feel like Steph Curry hasn't shot the ball well the last like couple, especially since he broke the record. Hasn't shot the ball well since Clay came back or whatever. But and Chris Paul is balling for one of the best teams in the NBA right now. Uh, I'll start with Barry. Barry, your thoughts on the West Reserves? 
again, it's it's just Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Uh, Devin Booker, we talked about it uh, last year. I mean, he if he gets it going, I mean, he's a he's a complete problem. I love watching him play. Luca, like you said, um, love watching him play. It's, you know, like I said, I'm not, uh, Draymond's not going to be there. Uh, it's just, I'm not, Carl Anthony Towns, I'm not a big fan on. Um, hell, who else is out there? <laughs> I thought uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander had a shot. That was one, yes. Yeah. I was also thinking DeWante Murray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Spurs, I think that he, they're a bad team, but I think that he's played really, 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 really well for them. Uh, for the East, I didn't think about it, but um, Miles Bridges. Yeah. He's having a good he's year. He's had a really good year for them. So and the Hornets are like, they're kind of like, Right there with the Cavs a little bit. They're fun to watch. Yeah. They're fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they and they fucking play hard mm-hmm. and they play together and they're fun. I mean, yeah. I'm all about I'm trying to think of who is some other reserves here. I got a, a web page pull up here. Donovan Mitchell's out there, Spider, Rudy Gobert. Jazz got two players, yeah. Jazz got two. But another team every year is like quietly top three in the West mm-hmm. all of a sudden, right? So, but they did lose Joe Inglis for the season. So we'll see how that affects them. Anything else you boys want to touch on? It's your show, brother. <laughs> Way to deflect. You, Way to deflect, Drew. How about you, Barry? Anything else? Not really. I mean, like I said, we got this uh, Pro Bowl coming up this week. Oh, um yeah. Which is kind of any more. How do you fix like, that? Yeah. There's no way you can. There's no way you can play the Pro Bowl. I mean, you can't half-ass football. You, you, yeah. you know what I mean? And you know, and then it's it's going to be the media scrums and all that for the Super Bowl. I'm excited to actually watch Joe Burrow handle the press. That it's. I think that'll be something pretty cool. He usually gives you a sound bite here and there. Um, yeah, so just excited for the Super Bowl, man. Uh, excited for this to get going. And yeah, heading into, we'll be heading into the All Star break soon. We'll be talking basketball. It'll be exciting. Well, next week will be our big Super Bowl extravaganza. So I would like to maybe get a couple few guests for that. Talk about this Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Man, I, I'm someone who loves the Super Bowl. I, yep. When I was a kid, like, they had the, I'm sure you guys had those, like, scholastic book fairs at your school. Mm-hmm. I always got the Super Bowl books. Yeah. And things like that. And I would, like, read them over and over and over. Like, I remember Timmy Smith running for 200 yards in 1987. You know what I mean? Like, I remember Barry's Giants, Phil Sam was fucking going, like, what was it, 22 or 24 winning the MVP. I remember, like, I was, I remember the NFC dominating. Until fucking 98, whenever the Broncos beat the Packers, I think the NFC won 13 in a row. And the whole, like, Bills 49ers NFC Championship game was basically the Super Bowl for a few of those years. Like, I think there's a lot to talk about with the Super Bowl. And even, like, way back in the day. And I come from a – I'm a fan of a team that has not been the one. It hasn't sniffed one since probably 1989. So. You know what today is? What's today, Barry? 
the day we ruined the perfect season. Today was the day the G-Men rolled in. And Michael Strahan said, one touchdown and we're world yeah. champions. Very few people have ever milked the teat of a championship more than Michael Strahan. Oh, well, it, hold <laughs> your tongue. <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> a stud. A, a champion. A legend. And and Tom Brady says that's the greatest team that's ever played uh, in the NFL. And we dog walked them. 17-14. Dog walk them. The game was never in question. <laughs> never in question. We had it the whole way. I don't know if you watch Man in the Arena with Brady, but that's actually a really good show because he talks about, about that. And they had Strahan, you know, and they were talking about the play where Eli breaks out. And Strahan's like, clumsiest person ever is Eli. He goes, so I'm like, he's sacked. Well, then he breaks free. Should you know, have been and then sacked. They, they cut into to Brady, and Brady's like. In the grasp. He throws the ball up, and the guy catches it on his fucking helmet. <laughs> so it, it's, it, was a, it was a classic moment. You know, it, everybody knew what was going to happen going into that game. Well, let's 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 save some for Super Bowl extravaganza. Well, oh, I, there's plenty more. I mean, we got another one where we beat them. <laughs> you know, uh, Drew, why don't you go ahead and promote everything, buddy? Sure. Uh, so you can follow me at Drew Vensel. Uh, you can follow the Tales from the Estate podcast at State Tales. And that's my plugs, guys. That's not like I uh, got a ton going on. <laughs> Well, what's Soon to be followed, you, have, you have a lot going on, just maybe not virtually, but yeah. you, have, you do have you have enough going on. Yeah. No, but this has been great. Thanks for having me back. I uh, it's always great to just sit and talk sports with you guys. So. Well, we're sure you'll. I'm sure you'll be back. <laughs> we we want to continue having guests and you know, football heavy and I feel like right now like somehow the Cleveland Browns work their way into the news every single day. I have no idea how that's possible. So, with all the news that was going on and the. Super Bowl and everything else is kind of Brown centric, so I thought it'd be a good idea to have you on to touch on it. So sorry, sorry if I made you talk about things you might not possibly want to talk about. Dude, it's okay. I mean, you gave me like three <laughs> hours notice, so I I didn't have a ton of time to prepare. But you That's know, right. um, I'm always willing to hop in when I'm needed. I te- yeah, I texted him. I was like, I was like, fuck, I haven't got a guest yet. And I texted him at six thirty. Like, I'm sure Drew will do it. We just called Mariano <laughs> out of the bullpen. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So you were Deontay, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> He's the goat. I'm, I'm just Barry. Here. Plug yourself, brother. I I didn't appreciate being cut off when I was talking about our Super Bowl. I guess we gotta save it for next week. I know, but I said we got another one. We got another one where we dog walk Aaron Rodgers on the way to the Super Bowl. I bet with but, Barry uh, Bucks, he's like, let me go jerk off real quick. I did. <laughs> That's fine. I've got the whole, every let me game. just blow my load before we get there. No, we're, we're fine. Uh, but no, uh, at Bfrost28 on Twitter. Uh, if you have any hate messages, send them to Eric. <laughs> at uh, yeah, that's fine. But other than that, thanks for listening. And Eric? Drop the credentials, sir.
You can follow me at at EricBrown740, but always follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok by searching at Doing the Favor. Thank you guys all so much for supporting, listening, following, subscribing, rating, reviewing. Drew, thank you once again for coming on. We really appreciate it. It's always a fucking blast having you, and I can't wait to do it again, man. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. And with that, guys, good night, and God bless. Peace. Yeah. It goes one, two, three into the foe. Erica Berry, you're up with ETF, and that's for show. If you don't come correct, you get your ass full. So take a minute and chill until the next episode. Doing the favor, always bringing the heat. That's why Berry got your girl doing legwork in the sheets. My dude Eric holding down for the streets. Them Ohio players got the ears to the beat. Gotta say that we appreciate the time Whether you're on the job or trying to unwind Just a few more days until we're back live Shit, we'll be your lifeline I know you feel me on the mic with the flavor Let it marinate in something to savor We ball so hard, this is a layoff Until the next time, doing the favor Yeah, doing the favor Doing the favor. Uh, doing the favor. Until next time, doing the favor.